this morning, this is an interesting, uh, now, I'm going to have to tell my people, uh, the, the title of my message is The God of Luck, but we need to make that G a little G, The God of Luck. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not, only God gets the capital G, but all the other little gods that people make up gets the little Gs, right? So, um, I want to talk to you about that this, this, this morning and just... Thank you, thank you. Are they sharp? Yeah, we got the best help in the world. Hallelujah. The little G. It's interesting in our culture today, we can put our faith and our confidence in different things. Uh, And uh, I I wanted to preach about superstition, but I thought that might be unlucky. I wasn't. But uh, just like most of y'all, all y'all, y'all, God's been good to us, right? Amen. Knock on wood. Yeah. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> we, ha- we have, if we're not careful, we will put confidence in things that we really shouldn't put confidence in. In the book of Exodus, it's an interesting scripture, very, very poignant In Exodus 20, uh, verse 3, it says, You shall have no other God before me. So the the premise of this message this morning is that if we allow luck or superstition to rule us in any way, are we letting that be one of our gods? In India... Uh, they have multiple gods. So you can make up a lot of different gods. And we in America, we think that we're above all that, and we, we're not like that at all. But I would just say that we have to be careful if we're going to be honest with ourselves that we don't allow something or some, someone to take the place of the living God. Thank you. Thank you for that one amen. I wonder if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 18, verse 28. Um, 2 Chronicles talks about the death of a king named Ahab. So King Ahab, Ahab was a wicked, wicked king. And uh, King Ahab uh, of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. There's an interesting thing about Israel. The children of Israel are God's chosen people. The the nation of Israel is still God's chosen people. And the scripture says this, that those who bless Israel, God will bless. And it's important that we as a nation and that our presidents understand the value of blessing Israel because Israel is still God's chosen people. And when you bless Israel, you bless God. It's kind of like giving a convoy of hope. When you bless the little kids, you're blessing God. And so it's important. But it was interesting about Israel that they, 
After everything that God had done for Israel, I mean, they came into the promised land and they were able to live in houses that they did not build. They were able to uh, feed from the crops that they did not plant. They were able to eat of the fruit of the trees that they, that they didn't plant and all of the blessings that God gave to them. And in the middle of everything, they took up other gods. They, they served uh, Baal, Astarte, Asherah, Dagon, Molech. Remember the Molech, God Molech. They would sacrifice their. Oh, we're we're much too we're much too sophisticated in our world to have other gods before us. Uh, the God of Molech, they would sacrifice their babies. That's kind of what we've been doing for a long time. Not us, but people, abortions, babies. And we think, well, then we begin to justify it, and we think, well, that's okay. Let me tell you something. We have got to get away from being so selfish that our needs are more important than the needs of the babies. Honestly, help us. Jehoshaphat of Judah, uh, King Ahab of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, these are the two tribes of Israel that were, had joined together, had two kings, and they led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. Verse 29, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, as we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went in about it get the picture here uh, Ahab's like you know what I don't want anybody killing me because I'm the king but you dress up like the king and so they'll kill you but they won't know who I am how about that <laughs> it's just like this guy was a jerk he just Verse 30, meanwhile, the king, king of Aram had issued these orders to his chariot commanders, attack only the king of Israel, don't bother with anyone else. So when the Armian chariot commander saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted, but Jehoshaphat called out the Lord, and the Lord saved him. God helped him. Everybody say, God helped him. God helped him. He was lucky. You, you, you stay with me. God helped him by turning the attackers away from him. As soon as the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, they stopped chasing him. The army and soldiers, however, randomly shot an arrow. Everybody say randomly. They randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. That's a bad day. <laughs> Just having a, he's so unlucky. Turn the horses and get me out of here. Ahab groaned to the driver of the chariot. I'm badly wounded. The battle raged all day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Armians in the evening just as the sun went down. He died. 
the wicked king. It's interesting how we let things happen to us, and then we, we say, well, I'm not like that, so I, I might make somebody uncomfortable right now. I figure out how to open this thing. Anybody? Oh, you, oh, that's not enough. Watch this. Oh, how unlucky. I lost my hat. <laughs> so what's funny is that that's funny. And what's funny is that sometimes it's real. Now, I dare say there's some people here that would not do that. Y'all are looking at me like. <laughs> but our world is ate up with superstitious. Luck and superstition go hand in hand in trying to abolish our faith and trust in only in God alone. In other words, if part of our trust is in faith and luck, and if we say, well, I'm not going to do that, then what's running you? Where is your faith if you say, oh, I would never walk under a ladder? Well, if you really believe that, then that is something that you really believe. So if we're not careful, we will allow something else to call the shots in our life. And in contrast, in complete contrast to superstition, biblical faith is grounded in God's word. It is a foundation of faith based on what God has done and will do revealed in space and time. In other words, the scripture tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Where does the shame come from? The shame comes from buying into things that are not of God. The shame comes from living a life that is not pleasing to God and taking on principles that this world throws at us and the principles that are not of God or not biblical, and that becomes to be a part of, our, of, of who we are as well. And I'm not just talking about lucky. I'm not talking about superstition. If we're not careful, we will let some things in this world, take the place of biblical truth and biblical knowledge. And God is telling us today that he will have no other God before him. Hey, Keaton, do you have a, you have a pocket knife? Could you come up here? You got a pocket knife? Yeah, let me see that. Now, in the cowboy world, you know what I'm fixing to do, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They don't bother me. See? So, look here. In the cowboy world, you can put extreme fear in some cowboys. If they hand you a pocket knife that's closed and you hand it back to them open. Am, yes, I, am I right? Yes, sir. I mean, it's a big deal, isn't it? Putting your hat on the bed, too. Putting your hat on the bed, same thing. There, there's a lot of these things. So I was at a roping a while back. He may be watching online. <laughs> and he, I borrowed a knife from a friend of mine, real close friend, loves Jesus. And he handed me his pocket knife <laughs> open, and I intentionally closed it yes, and handed it back to him. <laughs> close it, close it, close it. And I was like, no. 
we're going to stop this right now. I said, I said, if you want this knife, thank you, Keaton. Yeah, I said, if you want this knife, you're going to have to take it closed. And it took him a minute. And it took me a minute to preach to him. So this can be a stronghold of fear that Satan uses. It's like, oh, no, I would never do that. It's a stronghold of fear that Satan uses on us to influence us away from trust and faith in God and in his word toward faith, toward faith in him and away from faith in the luck. The word of God is God's revelation to man to be interpreted objectively for the purpose of pulling down strongholds. You've heard me, uh, I say this scripture a lot, and you may, may get tired of it, but I'll probably say it a lot for the rest of my life, that, that we need to take every thought captive. What's the next part of that verse? Anybody? Take, it says, take every thought captive. Why? For what? And y'all just memorize this. I'm telling you, everybody needs to remember this. For the pulling down of strongholds. To take every thought captive. Why? So we can take down these strongholds that get a hold of us in our lives. For the pulling down of strongholds. The studies show ourselves approved of God. God brings approval to us when we study the word of God. Because we know what God's plan is. And we put our faith in God alone and we don't allow the infiltration of these things because this world is did you know the hotels don't have a 13th floor you can get under in the elevator next time you get in an elevator look for number 13 it's not there they won't put they don't put it there why because it runs them superstition take every thought captive the Bible can be used superstitiously by ignoring the intent of a verse and making it apply to whatever you want it to apply to. Uh, you can, it's, it's like, have you ever heard the deal like somebody wanted to know what God's will was and they heard that if you uh, open the Bible and point at a verse, you just pray that God will show you what verse to, to use. And so this guy thought, well, I'm going to do that. So he opened the Bible and he pointed at the verse and it said, uh, Judas, Jude, Judas hanged himself. He's like, <laughs> and then, and uh, he said, "No, that can't be right." And so he turned again. And he said, and it pointed. And it said, "Whatsoever thou doest, do quickly." And he said, "Oh no, that's not." <laughs> we can make up things and not leave biblical things in context. Let God bring the full count. You can make up any religion if you take a little bit out of the Bible. Every false religion has an element of God's word in it. Because it has to be a little bit of truth in there for anybody to buy into it. But I'm going to tell you something. This world will add to and take away things out of the word of God. And if we're not careful as a church, as God-fearing and God-believing people, we will buy into some of that if we don't know exactly what the word says about it. The chance happening of the fortunate or adverse events 
God's fortune or good fortune or prosperity to gain success or something desirable by chance. In other words, I I lucked out when I found the pickup I was looking for. Boy, you sure were lucky when you found that pickup. You know, they're hard to find. They're hard to come by. Boy, that horse you got, man, you're really lucky. You know, you found that boat, man. Have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, God was the one that brought you to the pickup? Did you ever think maybe it was God's blessing on you that you found the horse, you found the boat? And when God blessed you and he led you to it and you saw it and you said, boy, that sure, I was lucky when I found that. And then God's up there going, what am I, a chopped liver? Do you know what I'm saying? And this is, this is something that I'm thinking we as, as God-loving people, we got to get it right. We've got to understand and stop giving luck the credit for what God is doing. We've got to stop it. Yesterday I went, I was thinking about going, going back over my life and, and everything that, that certain situations that came up and, and how that... I, God has directed my path, even when I didn't know he was directing my path. And you look back at all of the good things. I think whenever, when I met Darla, I was doing the church service at the Livestock Show and Rodeo, his rodeo, and the guy that was putting on the church service there that I was going to speak at, he was running the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys out of Huntsville at, at the college there. Darla was going to school there, and her and her boyfriend got a ride down to the church service with us, and I was in the front seat going down to the rope to the rodeo, and her and her boyfriend was in the back seat, and on the way back, I got in the back seat with them, and the rest is history. <laughs> but it just happened. It just happened. But here's what the scripture says, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Not the steps of a perfect man, but the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman, the steps of a good God orders our steps. And when we are blessed, any time we are blessed, it's not because we're lucky. It's because God has intervened and blessed us. And let's give him the credit for it. Much of, so in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, it says this, it says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen To them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, birds are taken in a snare. So men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Now you could read this scripture and you could go, well, that sounds a lot like sounds like chance, and it sounds a lot like look. Much of what Ecclesiastes in context, we have to understand that Ecclesiastes 
is from the perspective of a person who looks at life on earth without God or life under the sun. In other words, it's a perspective that man has, and we just look at this perspective from man's perspective. We will not include God, and we'll just say, man, fish are going to just get caught in the net, them birds are going to get caught in the snare, and it just, just happens perchance. And that's the perspective, because when King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he was in a bad state of mind. And then he comes back and he kind of gets things right toward the end. But in the middle of this, he was having a lot of problems. Of course, he had 700 wives. I mean, there was a problem there. <laughs> you think about that. He can have a lot of opinions there, probably. <laughs> I just thought of that. I don't know. We all, as created beings, are designed to believe in someone or something. Uh, you have somebody, they run in a race, and uh, there's somebody that's not as fast as they are, but the guy that was fast, he trips and falls, and the guy that's not as fast wins. Those things happen. And in the roping yesterday at, 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 uh, here at the church, I was sitting third in the roping, and the team that was first missed their steer, so I wound up winning second. It just happens. Things happen. But I do believe that God has his hand in every blessing that comes our way. I want to talk to you about God's, God's perfect will, and his, his, I want to talk about that in a minute, but uh, a warrior may have the strongest army, But some chance a random arrow is shot up in the air at a, by a no-name soldier just happens to pierce his armor in its most vulnerable location, resulting in the king's death and the loss of battle. How, unluck, how unlucky for King Ahab, right? Was it a matter of luck? In reading 2 Chronicles 18, we find that God had his hand in the matter from the beginning. The soldier who shot the arrow was totally unaware of its trajectory. We go through life. A lot of times we, we're unaware that God is working in us and God is working through us. But God's sovereignty and in his sovereignty, God knew all along it would mean the death of the wicked king Ahab. You look at, uh, at the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. Ruth uh, is, is a widow. Uh, 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 well, she's not been married. And then her... Uh, Ruth was a widow who was caring for her widowed mother-in-law and seeks a field to harvest grain to provide for them. So she went out. The Bible says in Ruth 2, 3, she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. In those days, they, the harvesters would leave extra grain in the field for those who were, were poor. And she went and, and gained, gained some, got some grain. And her mother-in-law, uh, Naomi, she asked her, well, what field did you go to? She said, well, we went, I went to Boaz's field. She said, Boaz? He's, he's part of our king, our kin and our kinsman redeemer. And she said, man, that's, that's so cool that you went over there. Ruth winds up marrying Boaz. 
And what did it have nothing to do with love? So here you think about Ruth and Boaz, and we think, wow, that's such a great story. But Ruth and Boaz had a baby named Obed. You don't hear that name very often. And Obed had, and his wife had a baby named Jesse. And Jesse and his wife had a baby named David, King David, who was the lineage of Jesus. Clear back to Ruth and Boaz, this little random thing of her going to this guy's field winds up being in the lineage of Jesus. Is intentional. Such a blessing. Such a blessing. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. One of the things that we have to understand that is that God has a plan. And his plan is always what's best for us. Uh, God's sovereign will involves two aspects, his active will and his passive will. Uh, God's active will, active will would involve something he causes to happen. Something like the King Ahab deal where God caused this to happen. And, and in our lives, God causes certain things to happen so that his will will happen in, in our lives. And that's the reason when we pray, uh, we pray, not my will, but thine be done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as you have planned it in heaven. Y'all with me? So this is, this is intentional things that happen in our lives. I, and part of my message this morning, I want us to be more intentional and understand that, that those steps that God gives us are ordered of him. So this is God's active will, what he has for us. There is also his passive will, which involves him allowing rather than causing something to happen. The book of Job, you remember Job, God allowed Satan to, to, to do certain things to Job. He, it was a passive thing that God allowed Satan to do, but then God stepped in and intervened on Job's behalf. Why did that happen? Well, there's a lot of theories to the story, but that this morning I would just like to say that any of us will go through some difficult times. You will go and you'll be in those difficult, difficult times, but God brought Job out of those and blessed him uh, many times over what he had before he went into those troubled times because Job never cursed God. He never got angry at God. There, there was some rough, rough conversations, but he decided that he would always put his faith in God no matter what the circumstances was because God, Job was not ate up with the circumstances. He was ate up in serving the Most High God. And that's the story with the blessings of God because ultimately God blesses us. Uh, Joseph, you remember the story of Joseph, how that, how that uh, his brothers were very jealous of him and they threw him in a pit and then they, they sold him to the Egyptians and uh, Joseph and his brothers became, the, each brother had the 12 tribes of Israel, which was Jacob, which was Joseph's dad. And only 
Joseph winds up in Egypt, then he winds up in charge of everything else, and there's a famine in the land, and all the brothers come to him, and they bow down to him. And, and they didn't know that Joseph, that it was Joseph because they hadn't seen him for so many years. But the, at the end of the story, this is the, this is the word that he uses. It says, what man meant for bad, God turned it into good. And, and that's everything. That's all about us. I mean, we're going to have some bad times. We're going to have some good times, but we can't ever allow the bad times to take over. And we can't ever put our faith in luck and say, man, I'm just, I just had some bad luck lately. I've just had some rotten things happen. I'm going to tell you something that the enemy of our soul goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. However, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And we are overcomers because we have God as our Lord and our Savior. And I read the end of the book and it says that we win and we will overcome any and everything when we understand that God has to be God and he will not share his deity with anything or anyone else. Several years back, whenever they were building the, most of y'all know that, that Dara and I, we came from, we were doing the chaplaincy program at Sam Houston Race Park at the horse racetrack in Houston. We were there for six years before we came to Montgomery and started the church. Before that, before they built the racetrack, the the racetrack chaplaincy of America or at Texas and America, they, they told Dara and I that we could be the chaplains at any of the class one horse tra racetracks that they were building. They hadn't built any of them yet, but they told us that we could go to any of them we wanted to go to. So Dara and I got in the truck and we, we went over to the hill country, came to Houston, went up to Dallas Fort Worth area and we were praying that God would give us direction, that he would speak to our hearts and let us know what his plan was for us. When we would talk to other people about it, most everybody, they said, well, man, you need to go to the hill country because you could go to San Antonio and you live in the hill country. This would be a dream, a dream place to have. What a great opportunity for you. And then everybody else's second uh, choice was the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Nobody thought about Houston. But God did. And, and God wanted us to go to Houston. And so we went to Houston. It was there for six years. And every once in a while, Dara and I, we would pray about every four or five months. We would just continue, keep asking the Lord, is there something? We knew that that wasn't our destiny. We knew that that wasn't what we were supposed to do for the rest of our lives. So we continued to pray and ask God. And then this, then uh, Montgomery it just seemed like the right thing to do. And we came up and, and uh, told about 20 people who wrote out the vision that we felt like the God had for, uh, for this church. And one of, the, one of the deals that God gave us was the, that we sh should have 20 acres right on Highway 105 or 149 within three or four miles of Montgomery. 
And when we said that, everybody at that meeting started laughing at us. They said, you can't afford that money. But what they didn't know was that God could afford it. And right after we made the commitment and voiced the vision, Dollar and I wrote that down and we prayed about it. Right after that, a friend of mine that we talked about building camps and doing, doing youth camps and stuff, rodeo camps, he called me and said, hey, Randy, I think we can, we can do this, start doing this camp thing now. And uh, I'm moving up there. He was a world champion team roper and he was moving up uh, the other side of Weatherford. And, and I was like, oh. man, I wish you'd have told me two weeks ago, I already told him we'd go to Montgomery. And we made a commitment to 20 people here that we would stay here. And I told him, I said, Alan, I said, I, we're going to have to stay here. I, and now I know this was the right thing to do. But at the time, I didn't know all this would happen. Darla had more vision for all this than, than I did. I was kind of like, a little bit of doubting Thomas in me, I think. But when God is God, that's when it works. Now, something else that I thought through on this, and I'm going to just challenge you with this. Anything that you let run your life more than you run, let God run your life can be a God to you. I know people that other people run their lives. I know kids that run their parents' lives. And if your kids run your parents' life, are your kids, you know what I'm saying? I know that in marriages, the husband or the wife runs the other one. God didn't intend for us to be controlling over our spouse. And we, we cannot afford to let somebody else run our life if we're going to let God run our life. Your spouse is not your God. Your children are not your God. Your friend is not your God. The one that tempts you to do things you know you should not be doing, but you do it anyway because they're your friend. They are not really your friend if they're trying to tell you that trying to influence you over things that God's trying to influence you in. They're not your friend, but if you let them have their way, they can be your God. No, we Americans, we don't want to hear this, and I know y'all aren't, aren't, I know y'all aren't having fun with this part of it, but <laughs> church isn't supposed to be all fun and games. We can't just walk under ladders forever just to have fun. We can't let anything or anyone else or superstition or luck anymore run our lives and I'm I know that there's people here today that God's speaking to that you need to let just let that stuff go and let God have his rightful place in your life amen, amen. okay so so we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that you do all things well, that you are living and 
powerful and we submit to the life that you give to us. We submit to the power, oh God, that you have. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to, to come into the light of your word and to walk in the confidence and the power that you give us, to walk in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit as you lead us and guide us and teach us all things. This morning, I pray that this teaching would, would sink down deep into our hearts that we would not ever give any credence to uh, luck or superstition or anything else that would take, try to take the place of who you are to us. I thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your many, many, many blessings. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, here's what the Bible says. It says that we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. What that means is that, that I've sinned. Everybody's done the wrong thing that separates us from God. But he also said this, that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. And so this morning, if you've never accepted him as your savior, maybe if you have, just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Would you slip your hand up high? Anybody? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Anybody? Slip your hand up high. You might be watching online right now and maybe you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior. I kind of feel like there's somebody out there online or maybe in Tennessee that you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And i just like to pray with you. Could we all pray this prayer together? You that are watching online, pray this prayer with us too. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? the question I have for you this morning if, if there has been giving in to some of these things in your life and you know that the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart about it and you don't want to give luck or superstition or anything else to, to replace who God is and you've kind of let some of that happen in your life I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you everybody let me pray for you yeah Let's raise both hands. Everybody, can I pray for everybody? I thank you, Lord, for loving us, Lord. You see our hands. You see, Lord, our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give us wisdom. I pray for wisdom for everybody here, everybody watching online. Lord, give us wisdom today so that we could follow you closely, so that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray, oh God, that you would minister to our minds, that we would take every thought captive, that any stronghold, I just speak to strongholds in lives today, and pray, oh God, that you would break down every stronghold, convict us, Lord, of areas in our lives where we need to rethink our thinking and help us to understand the power that comes from accepting the teaching of you, Holy Spirit, and what you do for us. And we thank you, Lord, and we 
we just speak victory to everybody this morning. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, I love you all. Thank you so much this morning for coming. We love you. May God bless you. We have our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you.